Today on The Whole Testament, Dave and Steph talk with Rav Shan and Lisa Uremov. They've been missionaries in a closed country in Central Asia for the past 20 plus years. They'll share how the collision of heaven and earth in their lives cost them everything, and yet how they have gained so much in return. I'm really excited for this dessert episode podcast on the collision of heaven and earth. I was thinking about uh, what kind of dessert episode we would have for this, and um, God put me in, in touch with some folks that spent most of their last 20 years, 30 years, mm-hmm. a lot of years, mm-hmm. uh, outside of the United States doing work in other Places and so uh, I thought, what a better group of people, couple to talk to about making your physical life and your spiritual life come together and just be life. And so we're here with the Uremos. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. All right, I got it right. <laughs> yes. So um, why don't you just? Uh, I'm here. Stephanie's here with us also. You got to say hi. Hi. You got to get up on your microphone. <laughs> hi. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Stephanie is here also. <laughs> okay, so uh, why don't you guys just maybe tell us a little bit. Um, you can tell us a little bit about who you are. You can tell us your mm-hmm. name if you'd like because I forgot to. It's Lisa and Rafshan. Oh. Yeah, let me start it then. Um, my name is Ravshan, as you guys know, and it's actually my full name is Uraimov Ravshan Bek Mamirjanovich. It's yeah, oh, it's a really long name, but so uh, your last name is your first name. Yes, that's how it goes because it's Soviet <laughs> Union. So uh, Soviet Union, cool. they put the last name first, and the first name second, and your father's name, or uh, it's your middle name. Last, oh, it's uh, some of the things that um, it's interesting that uh, when you grow up in a Muslim culture, but you under the Soviet Union, it's a lot of interesting things that probably Americans usually do not understand and mm-hmm. they don't know what that is. So, and those kind of things happen when you have a socialistic uh, country who claims no God, but they took over other Muslim countries and they live under that. So it's uh yeah it'll be interesting. All uh, right. So yeah. yeah. And of course Lisa's here. She she can correct me. Correct me <laughs> sometimes. So It's hard now that I don't translate for him. I used to just be able to <laughs> Yeah, I have to fix all that. <laughs> yeah, finally I don't have to need translate. I can speak my own mind and she doesn't have to translate for me. Yeah. <laughs> I have no control. <laughs> it's all on. It's all on the loose. Uh, all right. So, Lisa? Yeah, well, I'm hometown gal from, well, from Atwood, um, Pearson Station, actually. In Illinois? In Illinois, yeah. yeah. So, um, grew up on a farm, thought I would probably never leave there. Uh, went to Millican University in Decatur, played basketball, studied a little bit, and um, ended up uh, coaching basketball at Southeast Missouri State and then Montana State. And uh-huh. then... Um, Someone shared Christ with me and uh, came to the Lord and um, left basketball and went into ministry, which I thought were two different things. And then I found out those two things can work together, which was awesome. So I've worked with Crew um, or athlete, and athletes in, action, athletes in Action, which is a part of Crew, uh, for 35 years, I think. All right. And 30 of those years have been overseas. And how did you guys meet? Um, Actually, first time I met her in a dance in our university. Uh, let let me go back a little bit and like 
I grew up in a Muslim culture, uh-huh. like I said earlier, and completely, it's Uzbek people group, um, but under the Soviet Union. So we were socialists, uh-huh. communists. I was a pioneer first. Uh, first, it's Oktyabrionok. It's which is you, you wore a little, uh, little pin, and you wore the tie, and you wore. Uh, bigger tie, and after that you have the pan. So basically, it's a, pi- a pioneer, Komsomol, and communist, and so you you go up the ranks. All right. So um, um, during that time, uh, I I mean I grew up, and so when I was in the university, and Lisa showed up in one of our dance, like we were doing for first first year students. And this was over in the it's, It was country. in Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. Okay. Osh, Kyrgyzstan. All right. Long time ago. About 25 years ago, I think. So, and yeah, and I was like, and I was still, I was a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't a believer yet. And of course, that's another little secret, but I was a part of the mafia that I used to run. All right. And so we were organizing this for our younger students, see, who had, you know, it's just the part of the school deal and she showed up in the dance and we're like hey who's this American no but who invited her and we later we find out that a basketball team the girls basketball team they invited her because she was coaching basketball in Kyrgyz Uzbek University in Ash Kyrgyzstan ah. so and I saw her she showed up in the dance and I was like hmm I need to find out more about her. So I invited her to dance with me when the slow dance came on. She's kind of like, I saw she's kind of slid it, went hiding behind people. They went sit down. And I was like, hmm, she's hiding. So I went right to her and I said, hey, would you going to dance with me? And she's like, hmm. So and she's, she agreed. And we danced for, I don't know, five, seven minutes. Who's and, counting? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. But uh, and I asked her, "What are you doing here?" She said, "She took a pause. She wanted to say something, but she didn't." And she said, "I'm coaching basketball." I was like, "Do you know Michael Jordan?" She's like, "Well, I heard of him. I don't know him personally, but of course." I said, "Okay, good. At least you know something." <laughs> and that was it. And she went on, and I. Went on. Uh, I didn't see her for another year and a half. And when I saw her again, uh, I came to one of the Bible study groups. Uh, well, that's a long story short. I became a believer in that time. And she was at the home group. And I looked at She was sitting in the corner. And I was like, hey, Lisa, do you remember me? She's like, hmm, we danced last year, <laughs> a year and a half ago. She's like, no, I don't remember you. Is that true? <laughs> so she completely yeah, denied. Yeah. So it broke my heart. So many men, so many dancers. So many dancers. <laughs> Life of a missionary. Not a so yeah, that's how we met in the beginning. Oh, that's great. Yeah. In my mind, when he said, do you remember me? I was like, do you do the, the cordial thing and say, oh yeah, now remind me again where we meet? Uh-huh. Or do I just say no? And so I just said no. <laughs> do you? I'm I'm curious what you were thinking when he asked you to dance that first time. Was it was probably a little nervous, right? Well, like yeah. scared. Yeah, because I'd been in Russia for five years before that, so I knew the language, I knew the culture. But now I'd come south, and everybody is like dark hair, dark jacket, and language that I didn't understand. I mean, they they speak Russian, but their street language is Uzbek or, or Kyrgyz, and uh-huh. so I couldn't really pick up on what was going on. Except, you know, I was with my basketball girls and we were all dancing in a circle and then the slow dance came on and I did try to slip away and I <laughs> saw that he saw me and I was about to be challenged to a dance, not uh, asked. So, yeah, so, so generally I don't dance slow dances, but I was felt the Lord leading me to this dance. I'm like, okay. Oh, Okay, I'll, I'll go with that. So we were dancing. And then um, when he asked me, what do you do here? Again, I'd been in Russia. And so it, it wouldn't have been out of the ordinary to say, well, I you know, talk with people about Jesus. But, I, but God said, shut up. <laughs> just, oh. like, no. And, uh, I, and I was like, oh, I coach basketball. You know, so, yeah. So, and him being a 
which he didn't tell me that he was a mafia Muslim guy in charge of the dance at the time. You didn't tell me you're Christian either. <laughs> so there we go. Well, but all fair and is, love and yeah, war, I'm yeah. glad she didn't say she's a Christian because that time I was really, how do you say, it's like a Muslim, but I was really devoted, not mm-hmm. studying uh-huh. the whole thing. But devoted like a patriot Muslim, so uh-huh. radical, radical, more like a radical. And uh, we probably, if she told me that she's a missionary or a Christian and she's working with our basketball girls, yeah, wouldn't be went really well for her. I'm glad she didn't tell me that. Yeah. So, how do you go in a year and a half from that position to like you're showing up at a Bible study? Oh yeah, that's uh, that's when the, all the story comes, right? So, uh, I mean, I grew up Muslim family, pray five times a day, do the, all the uh, fasting and once a year, but except traveling, mm-hmm. like you have to travel to Mecca and all that. So, um, and my grandma, she was the uh, strongest Muslim, so she would pray five times a day and make us to do things. So, I remember still today, I was eight, nine years old, I would go to the Midraseh, which is mosque, uh-huh. and every Friday and study <laughs> to how to be a mullah have to be a Muslim preacher, basically, and started reading Quran and learning in age of eight or nine. And um, so later on, my dad find out, it's still Soviet Union, still we are not, Soviet Union is not broken up yet. And later on, my dad find out about it, that I'm going to mosque and becoming more religious. And so he decided, like, I don't want you to become a, religious guy, so why don't you try something else? And he take me to a boxing gym. So I became a boxer, but I never forgot about my passion to religion. Uh-huh. So I became a boxer, and from that I became a champion, and I was really successful, and of course, I know how to fight, and of course, um, created a mafia group. We kind of, we didn't, how do you say, um, we went to the restaurants or other businesses and offer our protection for them uh-huh. and they have to pay us every month. So, so things like that. It's uh-huh. just the racketeering and mafia people do what kind of things. And so that was a normal thing. <laughs> you know, that kind I of stuff. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 just to be clear though, he, he yeah. was not a thief. No, we're not a thief. He, they were robbers. So thieves steal stuff and they don't tell you. Robbers give you a choice. Honest robbers. Honest we will robbers. tell you, hey, and everybody knows I'm a champion of the city. Everybody knows who I am. So go to the guy and say, hey, do you know who I am? Yeah, yeah, you're Ralph Sean. You are a new champion. It's like, give me a wallet and I won't beat you up. <laughs> He's like, oh, okay, can I keep half of it? I, I like, feel like Stephanie does that to me. <laughs> yeah. No. So <laughs> uh, we, at this, we're honest and we bought, we bargained and if he had a, like 100 Dollars will take only eighty bucks and not all of it, and give it twenty back. And That's kind. so, and so, so they were nice. So yeah. they were nice, compassionate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. So, after, like, when you grew up in that kind of culture, and I mean, all my uncles are people on the street. My neighbors, they will tell me, "I am a, I'm a champion." You know, I show, I need to show the pride, of Uzbek, uh-huh. and how Muslims need to be like that. So when they see me beating up other guys or trying to take a control thing, they're like, "Oh yeah, great! This uh-huh. is our nation. This is how we're gonna do." So that's how um, I grew up. So one year uh, after high school, we I didn't went to school because I had a really good job as a. You know, uh, so a I very, went to the market. A kind robber. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so I was working at the uh, marketplace, like a, we call a bazaar, uh-huh. and exchanging money, selling candies and cigarettes and like all kind of things. And of course, uh, organizing mafia groups and stuff. So we uh, we get uh, one of my friends get caught and they uh, kind of told the police that I teach him how to fight. So the police came and arrested me and all that. We had a court and everything, and they gave me two years probation uh, because I was teaching somebody how to beat somebody up. So it wasn't really correct. Uh, but and I, I thought, wow, this is not really good. I don't know the laws, uh-huh. so I'm gonna go to law school and become a lawyer, so I know how to get away with it. So that was my understanding. So I went to law school. Yeah, uh, went uh-huh. to college, graduated from two years. Uh, and uh, went to university, and that's where it was the second 
second year in the university, that's where I met Lisa. So she came to the dance. Uh, and all the trouble started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but after I met her and she's gone, but, uh, and that was the, f- I think that was the first American I ever met. Hmm. And like, what Americans doing here in my university? So I had just that thought. And it, that dance was in September. So October, November, next summer comes, June. And right before the uh, summer comes, we have an English teacher. I was it was another Uzbek, and he said, "Hey, we have an American group of people coming to our university, and they're gonna do English camps this summer. Uh-huh. And anybody wants to learn English, you can come and learn for free." And I was like, "I want to learn English. Maybe that girl's come back, but no." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's news. No, I didn't. No, I was uh, so I didn't. I mean. It wasn't in my mind. So we're like, oh, Americans girl come. Americans students coming. What Americans have? They have iPhones. They have iPads. They have uh-huh. cool stuff. Well, during that time, they didn't have, but they have something else. Always Americans have stuff with them. So we're like, <laughs> I told. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but that's it's true. true. Yeah. It is true. And I told my friends, like, hey, we got some meat coming. So let's go beat them up and take their stuff. So that's what. We really did. And um, so summer came and they started the English club. I brought three of my friends. We kicked the doors and came into the English club and tried to start the fight. But they were nice. They were like, oh, welcome. We are learning about picnic today. So um, so they teach us what, how to say hamburger, mustard, ketchup, hot dog. So we were kind of a little bored and started kicking the chairs and try to make a fuss and try to tell them like they're going to so, say bad words and we're going to start fighting, you know. Uh-huh. And we, we want that bad. We try to be polite but make them that if police comes, we will tell the police, oh, they started it so we uh, finished them up. So you. that way we'll protect ourselves. You know, I'm studying at the law school. Because you need the law, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're in the law school. We, we cannot be corporate. We have to make them guilty. So, and, But they didn't. So they like keep being nice and polite and finally... They said, oh, we, we see some athletes on the back seat. Can you guys stay after the English club? We'll teach you how to play American football. I was like, wow, that is a great time. I told my friends, you know, American football, they tackle each other. We were like, yeah, we know the field. Can we go to the, our field? So we took him after the English club, took him to the back side of the university to our field. It's like, and um, they started showing things, and we could like make a couple of illegal tackles and kind of really try to... Uh-huh. Make, Make them, them angry. angry. Yeah. 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 But they're like, oh no, this is not how you do it. This is how you do it. It's like, this guy's a soft. <laughs> but they didn't give us any chance. Uh-huh. So we forgot about our mission. We, uh-huh. I went home, came back next day again. Went home, came back next day. And for two months, we became friends. Uh-huh. I completely forgot our mission. And for some reason, during those times, I knew this like, they are something different than what I usually know from Hollywood movies. Like, why they don't cuss, you know? Why they, like, they're polite. And one thing uh, you have to know that one day, I took him to the park. It was two guys, Will and Joe. And they, knew, they, learned, they wanted to learn how to play Russian billiard, Russian pool. Uh-huh. And usually in the park, that's all the mafia bosses hangs out. I usually go there too. Uh So I took him to that same place and we were playing, showing him how to play Russian pool. And there goes our rivalry mafia group comes in and they Uh. saw the Americans and there were six of them. And we are only three of us. And But I'm a boxer. I I can take care of those guys. So (laughs) I said, hey, I told Will and Joe, I said, hey, uh, you guys, there is an extra door right there. You can go out. Please stay over there. If something wrong, run. And I'm going to take, because they are the, they're trying to rob you. So I'm going to protect you and you guys need to leave. And I, I just kind of went over, talked to the guys. And uh, like, okay, this is, they are with me. So if you're going to rob them, you have to go through me. And I look back and they're both standing right behind me. <laughs> I was like, they're like, if you're going to fight, we're with you. You know, it's like, wow, this guy's not chickens. They're not running away. They are like, I invested in like one month, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we stay here. We're not going to run away. And I noticed that they're not like 
chickens. You know, they're not like cowards. Mm-hmm. They like they understand up if uh-huh. it needs to be. Uh-huh. I was like, wow, this is interesting. Of course, those six guys they left and they didn't do anything. And so we um and that was the first time it triggered my mind. It's like it is something not right. They're like really nice people, but they're not scared. Uh-huh. They're like they're gonna stand up for me. Because I will stand up for them. I was like, mm, wow. So later on, I saw one of the guys, Will and Wendy. Uh, they were, I guess they were dating during that missionary trip or wherever. They came for two months and they shouldn't have, I guess. But um, <laughs> That so, happens, right? <laughs> yeah, it happens, I guess. So And they started arguing between each other. You know, so I was like, wow. And finally, Will said, you know, Wendy, I'm really sorry. And I shouldn't have said that. And she said, I'm so, I was like, what are you doing, Will? He's <laughs> like, well, I mean, on a broken language and uh-huh. he's broken Russian. Um, and I said, we don't ask forgiveness from women in this country. It's a Muslim country. You can have four <laughs> wives. And I've never saw my dad asking forgiveness. And my sister's going to have the same kind of life. My mom, I know, she never been... I saw my ba- my dad beating my mom and not respecting, and it's you know, and it's normal things in the culture. So uh-huh. you don't respect women at all. And I looking at Will's like, what are you doing? You don't have to do that. <laughs> and he turned around and looked at me, and said, "Yes, I do. She's same kind of person that I am." And oh, I can still remember that. Um, so and he said, "I need to ask forgiveness." Because she's the same kind of person I am. Uh-huh. And that kind of second thing that triggered, like, wow, what if my culture will change that part of the culture that they will respect the other people uh-huh. like people? And hmm. my, my mom will have much better life. My sister will have better life. And that changed my heart. And uh, later on, we watched the Jesus film together. And uh, so after that, and in the end of the movie, they said, well, so what do you think about the movie? I'm just making a short, you know, long story short. And so, I love it. And they're like, well, what do you think? I said, well, why they killed him? I know in the Quran, he didn't die. Allah took him. It was Judas who died. They're like, well, let's talk about it. So they're like, Kind of represented. They opened the four spiritual law. They had a little booklet uh-huh. and explained like why he needed to die, so Austin's sins will be forgiven. It wouldn't make sense if Judas died and he would be gone, because for the human sacrifice has to be happened for the perfect sacrifice. Uh-huh. The animals and sheep and all the other things they're temporary. And I was like, it just because I I know the Quran. It's all. It dawned, it's like, wow, this is what it is. I Now I know what it is. So uh-huh. I had no How doubt. How amazing that you understood it in the yeah, context. I understood that has to be him. Mm-hmm. It cannot be animal or other things uh-huh. because I know in my life, I pray five times a day. I do try to do good things, but in the end of up, I it's not enough. I'm still sinful and yeah. Don't have forgiveness. Mm-hmm. There is no forgiveness in the Quran. So when I heard that, it's like, I want that. Yeah. And Jai said, I don't have to tell you anything. You just open your heart, talk to him, ask him to invite him to your heart and make you the person what he wants you to be. And mm-hmm. he's going to change your life. I was like, that's so easy. It's something else. Like, no, it's just you talk to him. So I remember that day I prayed and honestly I asked him, Jesus, if you're real, change my life. I want to be the person you want me to be. Hmm. I had no idea <laughs> <laughs> what he's going to do to my life. And, but uh, they gave me hugs and they said, oh, you're a brother now. And I was like, no, oh, whatever. Because I didn't know the fullness of right. the, what the salvation is. I just... But I know I'm honestly really opened my heart. And so he did. And one week later, they all went back. They flew back to California. They were students oh. from California. And I was me, all by myself, from Muslim guy who used to be. Uh-huh. Now I'm a Christian, but now I can't what? tell anybody I'm a Christian. 
So I keep doing the same thing I did before, but this time was different. I beat the guy up, and he was laying on the ground. Well, it wasn't my fault. It was his fault, but... Uh, because he wasn't a good enough fighter. He wasn't yeah, a good enough fighter. Hit himself and fell <laughs> yeah. down. Well, he kind of slammed the door in my face, and uh, I said, "Hey, don't oh, do that." Got you. Yeah, he wanted to. Yeah, you and he that. wanted to fight. I was like, "I don't want to fight you." He's like, "Oh no, who are you?" He's like, "Okay, let's go." So he's laying on the ground, all dirty. So I picked him up, but ah, uh, he was laying on the ground, and I hear the voice. It's like Ravshan. Do you remember? You became a believer. <laughs> You can't do this thing anymore. I clearly heard that. And I look around, like, who's talking to me? <laughs> and I was like, wow. So I picked the guy up and wiped his pants and gave him his wallet. He looked at me and said, you're crazy. He didn't run away. <sighs> he didn't want to fight. He just knew there was something wrong with me. He ran away. So I went home that night. And uh, be honest, uh, I don't cry much, but I cried that night. And I said, who are you? I used to enjoy beating people up. Now I cannot even do this. What did you do to me? Can you explain who are you? Why mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore? So um, about a week later, uh, I received a phone call. It was a, a local believer. Uh, he was His name was Respect, and he called me, and he said, hey, we heard you became a believer. Why don't you come? We have a home group, and we do... Uh, Bible study together, and so it's like, okay, let me go visit. So I went to that home group, and when I went there, it was several believers, uh-huh. and they were doing home group. It was other people, and I was like, that's what I was missing. Mm-hmm. I was all by myself. I didn't know what to do, but I needed the community of believers uh-huh. to grow and learn about this Jesus thing. Uh-huh. So I went there, and that was the rest of the story. And one of the uh, home groups, when I went, and I met Lisa again, so the old story, and uh-huh. she, didn't, she denied that I am the one who danced with her. But, <laughs> well, I remembered once oh, she, well, she like, started thinking about it, then I remembered. I'm like, oh, yeah, now mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's how uh, my life changed. Yeah, and it basically, so, and of course, I can't tell anybody I'm a Christian. Just only me and Jesus mm-hmm. knows about it, and this group of believers now, they uh-huh. know that I'm a Christian. So I started growing in my faith, started learning what the Bible is and all that. And about a year later, and that was one of the biggest uh, problems that I faced, uh, I decided I need to tell my parents that I'm a Christian. Uh-huh. And the long story short, and it's a long, um, uh, painful times, but uh, my dad tried to kill me. <laughs> and I was on the table with my head down, and he was hands raised with the axe above my head. And I started praying in Uzbek language, and I said uh, exactly the same thing what Jesus taught me to do, that uh, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I said, please, uh, God, forgive my dad. He doesn't know you, but you promised me that uh, you're going to show them to you real God, and I know I'm going to be with you. And he heard me that I'm praying for him. He said, get out of my house. You not, you're not my son anymore. Mm. So he kicked me out of the house. He disowned me. And it's a, it's a really big shame in Muslim culture mm-hmm. when the dad disowns. So I lived in the streets, uh, other places, in the basement. And um, I heard about this Bible college in Central Asia, another country. And, um, so, uh, and I went to that Bible college in a different country and completely... Immersed in like, oh, this is what Christianity is. And so, start to grow. And so, it is 20 years now, later, 22 years later, I'm here talking to you guys. And God completely changed my heart. It's incredible. <laughs> just <laughs> done. <laughs> you just hit stop there. Yeah, it's like, just can't even talk after that. I think what he's saying about the guys, what... His first, aha, this is different, is like the fear that these guys that stood with him and weren't afraid, I think that's what, this is a good segue into like the connection of the physical and spiritual, because I think that fear is what holds us back from saying whatever, whatever you want us to do. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, right. Those guys, like... 
the people who have been influenced through the last 25 years Mm -hmm. because of your guys' ministry Mm -hmm. have been influenced because two guys weren't afraid were willing to stand there. Mm -hmm. Well, valued the spiritual more than the physical. Yeah, because they could have, yeah. I got to take a break and catch myself. Don't cry. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like, it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. I think we're, we're talking, I I told Dave, like, I feel like it's kind of what I'm hearing. I feel like when God's starting to, to, to speak to you, he does it like, in several different ways mm-hmm. from totally separate sources. So I think that that's kind of what I'm hearing a lot now is like, were we, are we allowed to say names of people? <laughs> like we're, we, we're starting this Francis Chan book mm-hmm. on marriage, mm-hmm. but really it's all about, he, he, the whole intro is how we as believers err on the side of inactivity and waiting on God to just tell us what to do rather mm-hmm. than doing. Mm-hmm. And then waiting for God to say, stop, or redirecting. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, another guy I listened to was kind of just saying, we um, we kind of lessen in our minds, we think that the sin of omission is less than the sin of commission. So like what we don't do isn't as bad as the things, the bad things we do do. So, mm-hmm. like, we kind of talk ourselves out of doing, living it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a challenge. I I'm struggle big time with with fear, and especially having all these kids. Like, I think we have to protect them. So, I, I'm reading another book. I'm talking a lot. <laughs> I That's said it wasn't talk. I know. I, but I was that's reading. why I tell her, you got to come down. She's like, I don't have anything to say. And then she says, <laughs> no, I, I some really good stuff. Yeah. I started I this Christian novel this morning for the Ladies Book Club oh, at church. Uh-huh. Um, I've read it before. It's been so many years. But like the whole first chapter is about this young girl in the early, early church in Jerusalem when the Romans are coming in and destroying everyone. Her entire family dies. And... She, like the fear, their, her father was fearless mm-hmm. for the sake of Jesus, mm-hmm. of speaking Jesus. And I mean, in the long run, the whole book, it's going to shape her, you know, mm-hmm. but we have to be fearless. What mm-hmm. can man do to me? Exactly. I think what you say too about omission and the reason a lot of times we omit is because we're fear. Yeah. You know, we're afraid, like. A lot of people want to know, like, well, how do you share with Muslims? How do you, you know, how do you do that? I get that fear too. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I say? Um, but, you know, like what Ralph Shawn said, the thing that made an impression on him is just forgive your husband or a husband yeah. forgive your wife, and you know, the guy comes to the right. Lord. Then, I mean, you know, saw the Jesus film and God right. opened his heart. But just as we're living our life, we don't realize the impact that we have right. on people, and and to not be afraid, just to to step out and live life. Mm-hmm. Your grace will be enough when my eyes can see what you have prepared for me. Your grace will be enough and strength is rising as I wait patiently Your words, they comfort me Strength is rising Lift up your heads, you weary souls Our God is not done yet Our King will come with the morning light Bringing joy to the darkest of night Carry on, all you pilgrims Don't lose heart, for the journey is long At the end 
Holy what do you, what does faith look like in the community where you've been ministering to in places we can't even speak because people might get in trouble? Pause, Pause while <laughs> Stephanie pours her coffee. It's noisy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. The faith. What's the faith look like? Yeah, it is. I mean, I just. I grew up in former Soviet Union, and I worked in this country for 20 years. So um, all socialistic Muslim mentality, and that's how like Christianity is like almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. If we see Jesus, uh, but, but it should be in Russian, Jesus. And usually people there who live there, it's 90% of the people. They think that's Russian God, and we don't need uh, that. It's hmm. it's Russian. They don't even know he was Jewish. Hmm. See, that's the simple things. And people just live their that life, and like he's not even part of their lives. But uh, Muslim people, they are really religious. They're seeking. So what happens when somebody... Finds faith in Jesus. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> well, it's. I mean, my story. Uh-huh. Uh, when I found him, I lost everything else. Hmm. Uh, I lost my family. They don't really talk to me. All my friends, they're gone, and they don't talk to me. Or they kind of try to keep face and say hi, but my relatives, uh, my former life, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not that, I mean, I think about those things and I was like, yes, and they're gone. And um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's like, Jesus, like, that's not you. I made you for this. <laughs> and those things kind of, he took care of it. And it's a good and bad. But uh, like, uh, the hardest thing is like, sometimes I think like, my relationship with of my relatives and families. How I can be serving them, how they can see Jesus in me. Uh-huh. That's the hardest part. Uh-huh. Um, things that I, yeah. Um, and sometimes it's like, it's, you have to make, I don't know. I, I, I understand, I feel like, well, I know, I believe God has for me in the heaven. He's waiting for me, but my time is still here. Uh-huh. And I just try to live out my faith as much as I can uh-huh. that he gave me. And I don't count. I don't, I try to, I'm not perfect. And um, I do ask forgiveness time to time from my wife. But <laughs> it's getting I, better, yeah. It's getting I never did that before. I mean, it's like, you don't do that in Muslim culture. It's uh-huh. asking forgiveness is no. It's weak and it's bad and it's, you know, it's uh-huh. like... It's hard for everyone. <laughs> I struggle with it. So, um, yeah. I thought you were looking at me. No. Looking, at, <laughs> looking straight at me, it's hard for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's for me, it's a little different. Uh, different. And sometimes it is, it's not easy. And sometimes I question, like, Jesus, why? Mm-hmm. You know, I lost everything. Why? Yeah. And and he tells me later, and when I'm have a reading the Bible, and it's like, that's why. Yeah. This life is only 70, 80, maybe 100 years, but you're going to be with me in eternity. Yeah. yeah. Eternity, it doesn't end. So what else do you want? Yeah. And I just fall on my face and it's like, you're right, God. This is just the short time. Right. And sometimes I live that way. Yeah, I think that's what one of the questions in that marriage study was. Why do you, what do you think Jesus means when he says, "Whoever you can't like, whoever hates you have to hate your father and mother, sister and brother, and your what is it, wife and children?" Like it's our translations say hate, but really, I looked it up and it says love less or love more. Like, what do you? We what need do you to love, love more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you love more? Do you love God or your or 
these your faith or your family temporary or your house relationships or your, even your family which is what we would probably say next to god is the our most valuable thing in our lives mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but do you love me more mm-hmm. that's exactly what Ravshan's dad said to him which kind of brought everything on do you love your jesus more or do you love me more mm-hmm. yeah right before he wanted to cut my head off, he put me in a position like, you have to choose. Do you love your dad first or you love your God first? I said, please, dad, don't do that. This is not fair. He's God and you're my dad. I love you. He's like, no, you right now make a decision. And I said, I love Jesus. I love your dad. I love the mom. He changed my heart. I'm, you know, I gave up my mafia and all that. He's like, he didn't want to. He said, he'd rather have a son in jail or dead instead of Believing in God like this. Yeah. I'm going to go out. I'm going to bring axe. I'm going to cut your head off. That was his answer. And, so, and you stayed. You didn't run off. No, I, yeah, I stayed. I didn't run off. Because I knew, like, uh, I don't know, Jesus somehow gave me courage that I know he's trying to break me. It's a Soviet Union mentality. Mm-hmm. You're going to break him. You're going to, like, right now, polit- politically, they, you know, who has the biggest stick? They're gonna, you know, intimidate and break you. But that's a real spiritual world is real. And he tried to Satan tried to through him break my heart. I had two of my friends who became a believer with me, and both of them, when their dad asked them if they're believer, both of them said no. Hmm. And today, one of them uh, he died uh, in America. It was a gang violence something, and they, they sh- he got shot by his own uh, friends. And the other one, he turned around, walked away. He's uh, he's somewhere in Kyrgyz, uh, in my country, Kyrgyzstan, and he's not a believer at all. He's completely walked away from God. And I believe they never, they never became a believer. They just used Jesus to get to know foreigners. Uh, but when the real question came, yeah. they said, "Oh no, I'm not a believer." They couldn't stand up. Yeah. How many of us would? You know, we don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. I was I was reading Philippians this morning. Like Philippians 1, Paul's like, to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is like, where he's saying, like, it would be easier for me to die. Yeah. But for your sake. He's in jail. It's not going well for him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if I'm going to be alive, it's because of Christ. Mm-hmm. The whole point of my existence is to preach Christ. Mm-hmm. And if not, then I'm good to go. Yeah. I'm ready it's to better go. For me. I'm not afraid to go because the whole point is to preach Christ, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's where you're at. You're like, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when you lose everything like Rafshan has, you know, you realize that that's, that's the point. It's, it's no longer the point of how many cars or, mm-hmm what my house looks like or the success of my job. I've already lost my family, you know, uh-huh. the people that are closest to me. So what's left? Yeah. You know, like what else? it brings it to that. Like that's the, the driving point is that there's a purpose in this, you know, and that's to see people come to Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we first went to um, Kyrgyzstan, when I first, <clears throat> excuse me, came there, I came from Russia, like I said, who had what I would call like a tapestry of Christianity, right? So they um, um, they had communism for 70 years, but before that they had orthodoxy. So there was a bit of a kindness that was there. When I came to Central Asia, it was totally different. I mean, we saw multiple marriages, you know, men with three or four wives and then two or three mistresses on the side, um, abuse, beatings, hmm. brothers beating sisters, you know, and people who had been believers. Uh, one of the, the churches there, the, an Uzbek church, they, the people in the neighborhood had come and beat the pastor right in front of the whole congregation to the point where he's in another city now, but mentally not there because of yeah, that. They stoned him, not just beat him. Yeah. They stoned him. They stoned and him. They, um, the family, Uzbek family became a believer and they stoned the son. They killed him, right? Yeah. He killed him in front of everybody, and the whole church is 
just like kind of ran away. Scattered. And uh, they're hiding. They were hiding through that time. I don't know where they are right now, but uh, in that small church kind of disappeared because they saw the violence and uh, just, yeah, people came and stoned mm-hmm. their son who became a believer. Mm-hmm. But our, our team, Americans, as we came into that, there was a depression, there was a darkness and an oppression, and we're like, how do we how do we cope with this? You know, and then our director said, you know, what would we expect to see in a culture where there is no God? And we realized that's what we were seeing. That's what we could expect to see. You don't expect to see goodness and kindness because those are fruits of the spirit. Uh. And without that, it's pretty much not there. I mean, there is some kindness, hmm. but not a lot, you know. And so that gave us a perspective of people need Jesus. You know, that this is not going to change without that. You can't educate it out of them. You can't beat it out of them. It's the depravity that's there, you know. And I see our country now, and I see, you know, we have that sort of tapestry of Christianity. We have bastions of strong Christianity, but I see it sneaking in. And we're wondering, you know, why are we seeing violence? Why are we seeing divorce? Why are we seeing all this? Because... In essence, with no God, we don't have yeah. God. Yeah, right. No God, mm-hmm. or the true one. Yeah, and yeah. I think we as believers can be that light. You know, like a lot of people aren't. You know, they don't want to hear it. But I remember when I was before I was a believer. You know, I grew up in a religious family, so I thought I was a believer. Of course, I'm a believer. I'm an American. <laughs> you know, but I remember seeing people that were different. I was like, wow, what are they? I want to be like that. You know, mm-hmm. and I tried and tried and realized I couldn't. And, you know, someone finally came and shared with me about Christ, but it was from seeing coaches who had this strength and this joy and positive mental attitude, you know, that I wanted to be like them. And then after I became a Christian, I went to a a Bible study the next year at the Final Four, and they were all there. <laughs> I was like, oh, why didn't you guys share with me if I had died during the year? You know, uh, <laughs> it was on you. Yeah. And I mean, one of the coaches, <laughs> we drove all around Chicago as a, as a basketball coach, a recruiting coach. You know, you're going to all these different games and watching people play. And so we had plenty of time to chat, but that's funny. You know, she. So that's that fear thing, probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that puts that in, like, turns that whole thing around to say, like, how many car, how many car rides have I been in? Right. Yeah. How many opportunities have I had to interact with somebody and not? Mm-hmm. And they're like you sitting there saying, "Why didn't you tell me sooner?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember even at, at Milliken there was an FCA group that I, they were like singing and stuff, and I sort of wanted to be. Apart, but you would have n- never thought that I would want to go there. But <laughs> had somebody invited me, I don't know. Maybe I would have gone. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, you know, God has, you know, providence of God and the things He does. But it's there, you know, and it, and it doesn't. It's like it doesn't matter on how far away you think the person is. You know, give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And if the whole point of our existence is to be Christ. Mm-hmm. Then that's the that's really the only thing we should be doing. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that should be of value. Mm-hmm. But like you said, you can't always just immediately say Jesus. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you met him, had you had you in that uh, moment yeah. just mm-hmm. shouted it out, mm-hmm. it would have caused a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in God's timing, mm-hmm. He worked it out. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you have to be sensitive. To right. listen, which is hard mm-hmm. to discern. And, and trust that, other, that if he's quieting you, because I was the one that set up the English club for their university, and then I went back to the States for some training or something, and then I came back in, the, in September and heard that these three Uzbek guys had come to Christ. And there's 400,000 people in Osh, and we didn't know of any believers at that point. So it was a miracle that these guys uh, had come to the isn't Lord. That crazy? I didn't know I was a miracle. That's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So then yeah, you can look is. back and see how God mm-hmm. wove it all together. Mm-hmm. 
Like I love the the stories of Dr. Bright, Bill Bright, who was a founder of Crew of Campus Crusade, and he felt like any time you had more than thirty seconds alone with someone, that was a divine appointment from the Lord mm. to share Christ with them. Hmm. If yeah, but we get so distracted, yeah. especially probably. I don't know. I'm just to say in America, I think we there's so many distractions, mm-hmm. so you don't. We don't pay attention. Yeah, I think part of that is our our faith has become like a person, my personal relationship with my own personal Lord and Savior. So it's kind of like a, you know, private we, thing. It's a, it's just about. It's really just about me. My faith is really just about me. Mm-hmm. It's not about being a part of the heavenly forces that are trying to bring the kingdom of heaven in the world around me. Mm-hmm. It's just hoping that it'll get make everything easier for me, mm-hmm. which is the, the struggle. Like this verse in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe, which is what we, we're good at in the West. We have our faith, and then we have our life. So we have our belief, right? That you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It's been granted to you, like gifted to you for Christ, that you should believe, but also suffer. And I don't think we want that. Mm-mm. But that's what, that's the whole point. Been on the road, but we don't face these hills alone. Rising from these broken stones, we see the kingdom. feel like you like in light of his story do you feel like you gave up all these things and suffered you know what I mean for what you have stepped out in faith to do yeah I think um, okay, this was 1988 or 87 and I was coaching basketball at Montana State and I had become a Christian and I was really excited about it because I had I had all the success in the world. I mean, I was coaching Division One. I, I was directing basketball camps with the greatest player in the world, and but it was empty. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What else?" I mean, if this is what life is all about, I'm out of here because there's there's nothing else. And um, so I, it came to the Lord, and so it was just life changing. You know, this thing I'd been searching for a, a purpose, a, and there had been a change in my life. You know, and um, I wanted to tell people about it. And of course, growing up in a religion, I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I shared with, you know, like I had exit interviews with all of our players. The head coach went recruiting. And so I did these exit interviews, and all of them were like, oh, it was so hard. I don't think coach liked me. This is, I'm like, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And so I got back in the fall and I had. Uh, come to Jesus moment with the head coach and he's like Lisa you've had a big change in your life and that's great but if you push your faith on anybody you're done oh went, what <laughs> you know like wow I had no idea and it really it slowed me down a little bit but mm-hmm. not much I mean I had done did you know like I began to work with another gal who was in full-time ministry, and so we would together, like, I would say, you know, this girl's having some problems. You might want to talk with her. And throughout the year, six of our players came to Christ, but 
I wasn't supposed to know that, but I did. And um, yeah, so the, uh, there was a graduate assistant we were working with who was funny. He was a believer. I wasn't at the time, and he just bugged me. And then when I became a Christian, we were like best friends. It was mm-hmm. like that conviction. It was gone. And then um, there was a time when the head coach called me into his office, and he you know, said, you, you have pushed your, your faith on people, and you are done. And um, he said, I always feel like there's like a, a dark cloud around me when you're here. And I'm like, ah, that's how I used to feel about the other guy. And so I understood that it was conviction right. of the Spirit. And so, yeah, so I was fired. Now there was, a, and eventually they allowed me to resign. We had the best record to this day that the university had ever had. But there were things going on underneath there. And, you know, I said, well, there are other ways to coach people. And he threw uh, me out of the office. <laughs> so, but I went right from there to a, to a meeting with a, a tennis player, and she trusted Christ. And I was just like, you know what? You can take this job and do whatever you want with it because this is what's important. This mm-hmm. girl's life has changed for eternity. And, you know, so, so like I said, in the end, there were some issues with the head coach and some things he was doing. He was a great coach, but kind of a Bobby Knight type guy. And uh, so the, the AD gave me an opportunity. <laughs> she, she said, you know, you cannot proselytize these people. <laughs> like, I would never sell my body. <laughs> I didn't know what the word meant. <laughs> That's so like, funny. What are you talking about? And then, you know, then I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to talk with them about Jesus. <laughs> no. Okay. So, um, so they gave, so she gave me the opportunity to resign. And you know, I wasn't perfect. So, you know, and a head coach can choose to do whatever he wants to do with his assistant. So, yeah. So that was, you know, I feel. And then God led me. I thought at first maybe I would coach in another. University, definitely mm-hmm. with a Christian coach. Um, but that summer I went on a tour with AIA. And um, when you're on the tour, you play basketball, but you have a discipler who you help these girls grow in their faith. And I loved it. And I, mm-hmm. I realized that that's what God was calling me to. So I stepped out of it too. But I often look back. I mean, I love basketball. I love to coach, you know. Um, so interesting, yeah. yeah. So that's why you Americans go overseas to share your faith. You cannot do it here, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're not allowed. Yeah. So well, now I'm moving back. I'm, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And let's see. Let good luck. Let yeah. them tell me I cannot yeah. share my faith. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Man. I think too. You know, with my my real dad, he he didn't like it that I had become a not only a, a well he. You know, he would believe he was a Christian too, but mm-hmm. that I was outspoken about it. Yeah. He goes, Why don't you join the army? There's a lot of sinners in the army. <laughs> Be a chaplain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, God's leading me. So, yeah, I think it cost me a relationship with him mm-hmm. as well. So, man, it's wild. So, anybody who's listening is hearing that if you want to really be a Strong follower of Jesus, you gotta lose all the relationships in your life. And so, um, <laughs> what would you say then, you two, say uh, uh, to somebody who's listening who's maybe just an average Christian? They, they're most people that at this point that are listening are churchgoers and they're trying to learn, you know, we're trying to put the old and the new testaments back together so there's. They're interested in learning more about the scriptures and maybe just this is something that might be challenging. So how, what, how would you speak to them? What would you say to them? Yeah, um, interesting. For me, like, you know, I am not real polished American speaker. So um, it's really hard for me to like when you said average Christian and I, I was like, wait a minute. Uh, there is no average Christian should it be. Yeah. You are believe in God, are you not? Yeah. To like you know how I grew up and it's like you don't God already gave everything person need and they have they don't have to be evangelists, they don't have to be discipleship, they don't have to be but somewhere somehow God gave you great talents and you need to be doing what God doesn't matter where you are. Just, I think 
it's like be who God made you to be. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to be thinking I am the average Christian. I don't like no. If you really know God, you are special. You, yeah. <laughs> God chose you. Right. Like for me, every time when I think about my testimony, when I talk about, can you imagine anybody here? You probably never heard about Osh before. Yeah, it's a really small town in in the middle of Central Asia, country of Kyrgyzstan, which four hundred thousand people in the Uzbek group who displaced during the Soviet Union time. It used to be Uzbekistan, now it's uh, Kyrgyzstan. We are already being persecuted by Kyrgyz people and by government, by Russians. Mm. And I am the only one guy, and Jesus decided, come to this person. <laughs> and like, you, <laughs> I want you to know me. And you cannot believe, if you're a believer, if you know God, like say, oh, I, yeah, it's really hard for me to say like, oh, I believe in God, but no, you don't. <laughs> you you believe or you don't. Yeah, and just you don't have to do great things. Just give him thanks and like Jesus said when um, he's opened the, uh, the guy's eyes first time when he did little mud and put it uh-huh. on and he said, I see people. I see like trees. And he did something else. Uh-huh. He cleared, he spit it or something and cleared uh-huh. it out. And he said, now I see them as people. Uh-huh. I think we need that all the time because, yes, we become a believer. We know God. But we need to let him to do a little more work on us uh-huh. so we can see other people like <laughs> people, not like trees. And that will help us too, I think. And it's I'm talking about me too. I need to be... Reminded of that and constantly uh, let Jesus work on me a little more so right. I can see others as people. For me, I think what kind of brings the Old and New Testament together is Abraham, when God promised that you will be a blessing to the entire world. And we as Gentiles are grafted into that right. promise. And so like Rafshan is saying, if, if God has called you to himself, you have the potential to be a blessing mm. to everyone. And they, my dad came to Christ on his deathbed. Mm. <laughs> I mean, going in, I was on a plane and I said, God, if you want me to share with him, you either need to make it abundantly clear or have him ask the question. Mm-hmm. And so he was in mor- on morphine and coming in and out. <laughs> he pulls his oxygen mask aside and he goes, so am I a sinner? Oh. I was like, shoot, that would be the question, wouldn't it? <laughs> so, we all are. Yeah, all are. yeah, and that's what I said. I said, Dad, we all are, but we can have forgiveness through Jesus. And so he, <laughs> I believe he came to the Lord. Maybe he was a Christian before, I don't know. But I believe he, I have an assurance that uh-huh. I will see him in heaven. Um, and I think that, you know, the Bible says that, and I, I get verses messed up from Russian and English, they don't always come out clear, but no eye has seen or mind can imagine what God will do with those who are fully His. Yeah. Like, when I stepped out of basketball, I thought, well, that's it, you know. Mm-hmm. But God has allowed me to play basketball in like 20 different countries. And to, you know, like the six girls on that basketball team, their their life changed forever. And so, yeah, there's hard things. There's persecution that happens when you step out. But God will bless that, and He will bless you. I mean, I can't... I mean, I lived in the Central Asian culture for 30 years. But it's incredible life experience rather than living in a little corner of Pearson Station and driving yeah. a tractor all my life, you yeah. know? But there were, you know, God could could bless that too, whoever's there. I mean, uh-huh. you know, you can be a, a, a witness mm-hmm. and you are a light. You are a light in a dark world, no matter who you are. And so take that challenge and step out because it's a blessing. His talking reminded me of our, my favorite teaching when we were in Israel, of throwing your stone was my favorite lesson was about David and Goliath and 
what did God use to defeat the giant? He used David's daily, daily task, shepherding. And he just did it in faith and full trust in God, right? Without fear. Yeah, the tools of the shepherd. Because mm-hmm. in Israel, they, they like will throw the rock over the sheep and it will scare them back. So they take the sling and they'll toss the rock and they'll hear it and the sheep will come cl- so they can keep them herded together. So his normal tool of what he just does became So the tagline was, throw your stone, throw your stone. That's what we, that's what we do. So I'll pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you love us enough um, to come after us. You pursue us. um, And all we have to do is take one step at a time in obedience. Um, And we thank you that we don't need to know 10 steps ahead. But if we just walk one step in faith, one step at a time, we'll be able to look back and see how you've woven this incredible story together that only you can do. We just praise you um, for the opportunity to listen uh, to Lisa and Ravshan's stories um, so that we can uh, give you glory for, for your love, for your amazing works undeniably um, it's you and so we praise you for that we pray that it would speak to whoever's listening um, even if it's one person who just needs to hear this message God um, to to walk in faith and to throw their stone Lord um, so that they'll be able to look back years down the road and see uh, how you've multiplied our their labors Lord and their obedience to you, Lord God. So we ask that you would do that, that you would move in powerful ways, that you would uh, multiply the fruit of our lives. Um, Let us walk in faith and action um, and not just in belief. Lord, we love you. We praise you for the opportunity to sit and talk with these amazing people. Uh, We love you. May your name be glorified in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Whole Testament. If you would like to help support Rav, Sean, and Lisa, please contact us here at thewholetestament.com and we will help you get in touch with them. In the next series, Backwards is Forward, we're going to look at how impactful the Old Testament can be and how we understand and follow Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. If you want to go forward in your faith, we have found how important it is to look backwards in the scriptures. We're going to share some of these stories with you and hope you join us on the journey. If you have any questions, email us at thewholetestament at gmail.com. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to get updates on the show and any extras we might decide to drop. We'll see you next time.